alive in the NFL had some very interesting outcomes. We'd already talked to you about Carolina and Atlanta with Dan Quinn and the GM getting fired. And we talked about what happened in Dallas. So we have to give you the other outcomes of week five. And so with that, we're going to say welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And as we were saying in our opening, we talked about what happened down in Atlanta. And before we give you the outcomes of what happened in week number five, while we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, let's talk about the fact that once again, we have another COVID breakout this time in Atlanta. So Atlanta has shut down their facility for week number six. We're not sure if week number six will kick off for the Atlanta Falcons because of the fact that they have several members of their organization who now have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. So the game between Atlanta and Minnesota may not happen this Sunday. It may have to be pushed back to later on in the season or possibly if it's like in a situation with Buffalo and Tennessee, we may have a game on Tuesday night, but we're going to uh, stay tuned and keep our ears to the ground to see what's going to happen with that situation. Speaking of games in week number five, the Las Vegas Raiders took their show on the road to their division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, and won Patrick Mahomes. And folks, Derek Carr outdueled Super Bowl MVP, won Patrick Mahomes, as the Vegas Raiders get a big win against their division rival on the road and come out victorious and hand the Kansas City Chiefs their first loss of the season. The Arizona Cardinals took their show from the west to the east and they went to visit the New York Jets. Folks, we've said this before and we're going to continue to say it to the end of the season. The Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL, bar none. Uh, Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray got them back in the winner's circle and the Jets are still over. They're now 0-5, and they are basically in the sweepstakes for the number one pick and the chance to draft quarterback Trevor Lawrence. We leave the Jets, and we head to Pittsburgh, where we had the duel of Pennsylvania between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers and Pittsburgh may have found themselves another starting wide receiver wide receiver from Notre Dame that they just drafted Mr. Claypool had a breakout party against the Philadelphia Eagles as he gets in the end zone Four times, three through the air, one on a rushing touchdown, and the Steelers outlast the Philadelphia Eagles. Folks, you can say whatever you want about Philadelphia. I know that they have not played very well 
Carson Wentz. There's several people within the organization and fans across Philadelphia yelling for Carson Wentz to be benched. But folks, I will give Philadelphia this, and I'm not even an Eagles fan. Carson Wentz has no offensive talent on the outside to throw the ball to. This is the same thing that Philadelphia experienced last year when they were hit with so many injuries that he basically was throwing to lawn chairs and keeping them afloat. And he's doing the same thing right now. Miles Sanders is balling from the backfield. He's giving him a threat from the running back position. They have nobody on the outside. Alshon Jeffrey is hurt. Deshaun Jackson is hurt. Their number one pick this year, Mr. Rager from TCU, is out injured. So literally, he has no one to throw the ball to. Dallas Goddard, his other tight end, is hurt. Zach Ertz is having a down year, and that could be partially based off the fact that he's trying to get a new contract. So literally, Carson Wentz has no one to throw to. So all the expectations that the Philadelphia fans and people who are writing all these stories about bench Carson Wentz because of the fact he needs to take a back seat and look and see what's going on, folks. I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it again. Quarterback is the most dependent position in the NFL you have to have offensive line in front of you. You have to have wide receivers. You have to have a quality running back in order to be successful. Even the great ones need to have weapons or at least one. And right now, Philadelphia has none. And Carson Wentz is doing, as far as I'm concerned, Carson Wentz is just doing a magnificent job just trying to stay, stand, stand up in the pocket, considering that two of his best offensive linemen are not even available to him at this particular time. So stop asking for miracles, folks, in Philadelphia. They've already, you already have gotten a Super Bowl within the last two years. Until you get healthy offensively, you're not going to be able to be successful because your quarterback just does not have enough to get you moving forward. Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger, like I said, they may have found a star receiver, Mr. Claypool. And I was surprised at the defense for Pittsburgh. I looked for them to be a top five defense in the NFL this year. They allowed Philadelphia to come back when Pittsburgh had them down 31-14, 17-point lead. They allowed Philly to come all the way back. So that was shocking to me, considering that the strength of this team has been their defense the last few years. But Ben is playing at a Pro Bowl level that – arm looks to be 100% healed and he is playing like a savvy veteran who knows that his time is winding down and he is trying to get them back to another championship we leave from Pittsburgh and we go to Washington DC where the Washington football team was hosting the Los Angeles Rams and in this game folks it was never a game I told you last week that Aaron Donald was going to come in and dominate, and that's what he did. The Rams, with all their motion, offense, just was overwhelming for this Washington football team's defense. We talked about young Dwayne Haskins being demoted to third string. He was not even at the game. 
But the interesting thing that happened in this game, and I t- uh, once again, your boy gave you information. I told you this, that if Kyle Allen got hurt, that Washington would have to go and resort to Alex Smith as the quarterback. Alex Smith, who had already missed almost two years because of that devastating leg injury that he incurred the last time we saw him on the field against the Houston Texans, had to come into this game to supplement Kyle Allen because he hurt his shoulder. Folks, his family was in the stands, his wife and his children, and I myself just, I was holding my breath for his family because when he dropped back in the pocket and the pocket collapsed and Aaron Donald jumped on his back on one of the sacks, all I kept thinking was, is that leg going to be strong enough to hold him up? And to me, I take my hat off to Alex Smith for all the work that he put in through rehabilitation to get back on the field. I just feel like that the position that he's in financially and all that he's accomplished, why take the risk? This team is in a rebuilding mode. They're not in a mode where they're going to be winning now or contend for anything. Why put yourself in this predicament health-wise for this team? I don't understand. I hope that moving forward that this offensive line can try to protect Alex Smith as best they can. I wish nothing but the best for Alex Smith. I just don't understand why you would put yourself in this predicament considering your team is 0-5 after this loss and the Rams look like a team that's going to be contending in the NFC West for that possibility of uh, trying to take that division away from the San Francisco 49ers. Speaking of the Niners, folks, what has happened to Jimmy Garoppolo? We know Jimmy had missed the last few games because of a high ankle sprain. He came back in to his starting slot against the Miami Dolphins. And folks, the quarterback performance was not any better than what we had seen the last two weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo was benched by the end of the, right before halftime, if I'm not mistaken. And Miami's defense rolled over this San Francisco offense. This is another team suffering from lack of weapons due to injuries. Debo Samuels is still hurt. Their running back, Mr. Moster, is trying to get himself healthy. The offensive line looked a little leaky against Miami's defense. And Miami, and once again, oh, 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 Fitzpatrick. Yes, indeed. When you start talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick being replaced for Tua Tagovailoa, all of a sudden, that Fitz magic shows up again. Fitzpatrick balled in this game, folks, and Miami thumped the San Francisco 49ers, and now the Niners are looking up at the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams in their division. The Baltimore Ravens took on the Cincinnati Bengals. This was not a contest. We've told you about the steps that Joe Burrow, the number one pick at quarterback for Cincinnati, what he's done this year. He's looked impressive. But folks, if they don't get more protection across that offensive line, Joe Burrow is not going to finish this season. He was sacked seven times in this game, hit probably double that amount of times in this game. And you just cannot have your franchise quarterback. I don't care how young he may be. 
You can't have him taking this type of punishment every week because if you do, he's going to end up on IR. And so they've got to figure out a way to keep this kid protected. And if they can't keep him protected this year, then maybe they need to shut him down until they can draft some offensive linemen next year to keep him safe in the pocket. So Baltimore advances in this game. Like I said, it's really never a contest. Cincinnati is now one, one, four, and one, three, and one. I'm sorry, one, three, and one. So now we go to the Houston Texans against the Jacksonville Jaguars, another divisional game in the AFC South and Houston. You know, they had replaced. Their GM slash coach, Bill O'Brien. Now the coaching range is being held by Romeo Cornell. The Texans started in this game pretty slow. They finally were able to get a couple of turnovers. And Deshaun Watson was able to find some magic. And the Texans get off the schneid and get their first win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had the Indianapolis Colts going to Cleveland. Cleveland coming off an impressive victory last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Come back home against a stingy Indianapolis defense. And folks, that running game and that defense led by by Miles Garrett is for no joke. The Phillip Rivers experiment in Indianapolis, folks, I don't think it's going to last. Phillip Rivers is doing the same thing he was doing with the Chargers, and that's why the Chargers did not re-sign him. He's still having problems with the interceptions. And so the Colts go down to Cleveland. Cleveland's defense made a lot of big plays, but Phillip Rivers gave them a couple of gifts. He threw a pick six, turned back around, threw another pick late in the game, and also gave up a big safety, and that ended up being a deciding factor in this game. So Cleveland moved to four and one in the AFC North and they're right there with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens in the standings. We already told you about the devastation in Dallas. Dallas getting a much needed win at home. They struggled with the Giants, but more importantly, they lost their quarterback, one Dak Prescott. So Andy Dalton will be the signal caller, it appears, for the rest of this season. We're wishing nothing but the best for Dak and hoping for a speedy recovery. And, you know, we've heard so many stories now whether the the Cowboys are going to pay Dak now that he's been hurt or are they going to franchise him again. Even if they franchise him again, folks, that's $37 million next year. And, you know, you hear everybody talking about, well, he doesn't have security. $33 million plus the endorsement deals that Dak has. I think he has security. Now, you're talking about security from a football standpoint. I get it. But don't make it seem like that this young man is going to be out here flipping burgers somewhere. I think that he has enough financial stability going on between the contract that he's being paid by Dallas and the endorsement deals that he has outside of football that he's going to be okay. But in regards to him getting the contract that he deserves, yes, I do think Dallas needs to to sign him and negotiate with him in good faith. But again, if you're asking me as a Cowboy fan, 
is Dak worth $40 million a year? I'm still going to tell you no. I want Dallas to pay Dak. I just don't believe that he is a $40 million a year quarterback. I've seen a $40 million a year quarterback. His name is Russell Wilson. His name is Patrick Mahomes. His name is Aaron Rodgers. Those are guys I can see if you say you give them $40 million, then I know that they are guys that can carry the load when you need them to. When everything else fails, you can turn to them and they can put you on their back. Dak is a really good quarterback. He is not those guys. So that's why I can't agree with the fact that with everybody saying that he needs to get he needs to get paid. He needs to get $40 million. He's going to get $40 million. I just don't I just don't agree with that. I want to see Dak get healthy so that he can get the money that he has earned. But if you're asking me, should Dallas sign him to a $40 million contract? I do not agree with that. And that's my stance on that. Then if you turned in on Sunday night, you saw a great, and this is what I'm telling you about a $40 million quarterback, saw a great battle between Minnesota and Seattle. For the most part, the Vikings dominated Seattle through the rainstorm in Seattle, Washington. Folks, the man, the person who I think right now is the front runner for the league MVP, Russell Wilson, showed you why you can't give him the ball with time still left on the clock. Minnesota could have put this game on ice with two minutes to go in the game. They had a fourth and inches at the Seattle six-yard line. Coach Zimmer decided that he wanted to put put his foot on the throat of the Seahawks and try to go for it. Well, folks, it didn't work out. And so on fourth and inches, Seattle's defense took a grandstand and stopped Minnesota and gave the ball back to their franchise quarterback, that guy, Russell Wilson. Russell just took them 94 yards in under two minutes, completing two fourth down completions. One of those fourth down completions being the winning score. And Seattle comes back and wins this game. And the Seahawks stay undefeated folks this is what a 40 million dollar quarterback looks like he looks like russell wilson he did not have one of his best games and still when the game is on the line he finds a way to get his team over the hump even when he knows that everything is not going in a direction that he would like it to be even when his defense for the most part in this game early on did not play well they played well enough to keep them close and once again the guy that should be MVP in my opinion this season rose to the occasion and showed you why he is a true franchise quarterback and a future Hall of Fame quarterback his name is Russell Wilson we go to the Monday night game between the Chargers and the Saints Folks, we got a quarterback on the rise in the Chargers organization, and we have a quarterback that looks like he should be stepping away after this season in the Saints organization. Let's start start talking about the quarterback on the rise. That quarterback would be Justin Herbert, the rookie from Oregon, who is now the starting quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. 
this kid keeps getting better and better. Every every time we see him, he is more impressive than the first. We saw him duel duel have a duel, excuse me, have a duel with Tom Brady. We saw him have a toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And then here we go against Drew Brees, another future Hall of Fame quarterback. He's toe-to-toe again. The Chargers had this game in their hands, folks. We know that they're missing pieces on their defensive side of the ball. And then in this game, their Pro Bowl wide receiver, Mr. Allen, also got hurt. There's no excuse, folks. They've had too many opportunities. And one of the biggest one of the biggest problems with the Chargers over the last three to four years is that they have never gotten a kicker who is legitimate, meaning that their kicker and their special teams has always been their downfall. And again, that was the play in this game. Had their kicker, Mr. Bagley, hit an extra point and hit the field goal that should have won the game in regulation, we wouldn't be talking about the Chargers and this conversation about them not being able to finish out games. We would be actually talking about New Orleans and the way Drew Brees looked in this game. Drew Brees looked every bit of 41 years old in this game, folks. Drew Brees is not that guy right now. I'm not saying that he can't get back to being the Drew Brees that we're familiar with. But right now, Drew Brees looks every bit of a guy that's 41 years old and is on his way out the door. Now, everybody keeps talking about, well, Michael Thomas is not there. Yes, it's no question, folks. Michael Thomas is a difference maker. Michael Thomas is a beast. But Emmanuel Sanders, who they picked up in free agency, finally had a breakout game for them. He had 12 receptions in this game, and he balled out. He still has Alvin Kamara and and, uh, Jared Cook. Made some big plays in this game, too. It's the quarterback play right now, folks. Drew Brees just does not have that arm strength to be able to take the ball and throw it downfield to stretch the defense. I don't believe that Taysom Hill is the answer. I don't know if they have enough faith in Jameis Winston to be their future quarterback. But they need to figure it out because Drew Brees, to me, he is he may not make it through the season, folks. He just does not look physically like the guy that we're used to seeing. Now, I'm not saying that he has to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. I'm not even saying he has to throw the ball over 20 20 yards or 30 yards every play. All I'm saying is that your quarterback has to be able to threaten the defense. And right now, teams are playing the Saints more so for the short passes and intermediate passes because they – have no fear that Drew Brees can throw the ball over the top. And that's a that has to be a concern for Sean Payton and his offense down in New Orleans. But we'll see how this works out for the Saints. As we stay with football, the New York Jets, we told you that they were a horror movie. They were a disaster. Well, Le'Veon Bell got a pass as the Jets released him this week. And after much efforts by the Jets to try to make a trade, why would you trade for Le'Veon Bell and pick up that contract when you could wait for him to be released and sign him to the veteran minimum? And so that's what happened. Le'Veon Bell was released by the Jets. He went through the waiver wire process. 
And so today, Le'Veon Bell is now a part of a team that potentially could return to the Super Bowl, and that would be the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. As the saying goes, folks, the rich just got richer. That is absolutely insane to think that Le'Veon Bell, if he is healthy and still has anything left in the tank, he's only 31, that he could be on a team that's already fully loaded at every position offensively, and he could just add more fuel to that, to that fire by coming in here and playing in this Andy Reid system. He is the perfect running back for a system like Andy Reid's. He will help Edward Hilera, the rookie sensation from LSU. He will only help him because they can lessen some of the carries for him. And Le'Veon is just as good of a running back, if not one of the best running backs several years ago, catching the ball out of the backfield. So Andy Reid has to be in the lab right now coming up. He and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, has to be in the lab coming up with more deceptive plays that they can run to just keep defenses even more off balance. It's going to be crazy, folks. Really, really crazy. So we're going to take a small commercial break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about what's going on in the NBA. We have some developments in the coaching scene in the NBA So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a little bit about college football and what they're going through with the COVID experience as well. You're listening to Uptempo Sports 24-7. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7. And we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA right now because there's some changes going on in La La. No, not with the current NBA champion, the Lakers, other than the fact that they're going to be doing a parade once we're able to get through this pandemic. No, the other La La, that is the LA Clippers. They have finally come to an agreement with coaching candidate Ty Law. So Ty Law moves from the head coach position after being the assistant coach under Doc Rivers. He now slides into that head coach position. And his right-hand man now will be Chauncey Billups, will be his lead assistant with the L.A. Clippers. This should be an interesting coaching change. Will Ty Lu go to the GM and ownership and say that he needs more help and says that maybe he wants to move a piece or two? meaning possibly Paul George 
or does he think that he can get the best out of Paul George? They have to make some decisions about Lou Williams, about that bench, about can they get another point guard in there? Pat Bev, he's not a shooter. He is a good defender. We know that. He is a grinder. He is a he's a baller. But do they try to see about trying to upgrade at that position, either with Pat Bev or another point guard that they can bring in off the bench? That's something they may going to may want to have to look at. But right now we know that Ty Lu will be the head man in L.A. Now that Ty Lu has taken a job in L.A., who takes over the command duties with the Houston Rockets? Speculation out there is that the Rockets are interviewing Jeff Van Gundy. Remember, Jeff Van Gundy did coach the Houston Rockets back in the days of Yao Ming. Jeff Van Gundy has been out of the game for a lot of years now, folks. I'm just trying to figure out why are we going back? Why are we going backwards instead of going forwards? There's so many young, innovative coaches out there. The Clippers still have another candidate that was on their bench as an assistant coach. Sam Cassell he actually ironically think about this he played for the Houston Rockets organization he has a championship with the Houston Rockets organization why not go interview someone like a Sam Cassell a young a young coach who has who has laid the foundational work he has put in the time he has been an assistant coach why not give this guy an opportunity you're going back you're going backwards in time. You're going to get a Jeff Van Gundy. I I don't have anything personally against Jeff Van Gundy. I'm just saying that there's so many coaches out here that have yet to get opportunities. Why are we going back? People act as if Jeff Van Gundy is Pat Riley. As if I know he coached under Pat Riley, but they act as if he's Pat Riley. Like he's got championships on his resume. He doesn't have championships on his resume, folks. Has the game passed him by? I don't know. He does games he is a an analyst he's a broadcaster he does a very good job so i can't sit and say that the game is passing by per se but i'm just saying there's so many qualified people out here in the coaching in the coaching realm why are we going back i never understood why we always reach back just like i'm not trying to figure out why the pelicans are interviewing Stan Van Gundy last time we saw Stan Van Gundy he was the coach and GM of the Detroit Pistons how did that work out again here we go again he doesn't have any championships on his resume on his resume either why are we reaching for Stan Van Gundy I'm, I'm just not understanding maybe maybe there's something that I don't know that I've never seen I, I just personally don't understand the the affection for going after the Van Gundys as coaches. I just don't see it, especially Stan Van Gundy. I don't even see why you're going after Jeff Van Gundy at this particular point. He has carved out a great career in broadcasting. Why he would want to leave that, I don't know. But you're going back to go get him, and then you go moving forward, you're going after Stan Van Gundy. Folks, there's too many coaches out here that that have – that, that, that have credentials that are worthy to be candidates for a head coaching job. I don't understand why we keep going back into the same pool to pull out the same guys. It just makes no sense to me. Speaking of the Houston Rockets, 
the innovator of the analytics, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, one Daryl Morey, after 14 seasons, is stepping down as the general manager for Houston. That position now would be going to Raphael Stone, who is the vice president of basketball operations for the Houston Rockets currently. What I like about this move is, is that we have a African-American moving into this type of position as now being promoted to a general manager position. He will become the 10th black to hold a position like this in the NBA. This is what we've been calling for, folks, giving minorities an opportunity, qualified minority. Don't just give it to them just because we are shouting for minorities to get a job. Give it to him because he is the most qualified. And it appears as though this gentleman is more than qualified for this position. So I salute the Houston Rockets for doing this. And I say congratulations to Mr. Stone for this position. And I don't know much about this individual, but I just hope that he does uh, that he does well in his position because the more opportunities that are given to minorities, the better the process come becomes for other minorities when they go to interview to be considered for jobs. With this Houston Rockets team, they're also looking internally for another coach. As we already told you that Jeff Van Gundy is a candidate, but they're also looking internally for another coach as well. And that coach would be John Lucas. Remember, John Lucas not only played for the Houston Rockets years and years and years ago, but he also was a coach for the Houston Rockets. He currently is a part of their player development staff. John Lucas has done remarkable job. He is a lifer in the NBA. He has done a remarkable job with so many players, not just on the court, but off the court. And I think that he, because he knows this Houston Rockets franchise, because he's been a part of it for so long, and once again, like I said, he was a player there, I think that he would do a remarkable job with this franchise. The, the question is, moving forward, are they going to really give him an opportunity? We shall see. But these are the things that I'm talking about, folks. When we're talking about giving qualified minorities, qualified African-Americans opportunities, this is what we're talking about. We're not just talking about, we're not just asking you to give us jobs because we're black. We're saying give us the same opportunity that you would give white candidates. You know, don't just make it the good old, if it's going to be the good old boys network for them, let it be the good old boys network for us. And the thing about it is, is that there are a lot of times when hires are made for them where people are not qualified or people have not had success, but they're still given a job. It's just good to see that you see and you're hearing about the resumes of these people that are moving into these positions and that they seem to be more than qualified for the opportunities that are being presented. So I salute the organizations that are doing this. I wish nothing but the best for Ty Lu as a new coach for the Clippers. Nothing but the best for uh, Raphael Stone as the new GM, possibly of the Houston Rockets. Hoping that 
someone like a Sam Cassell will finally get an opportunity somewhere as a head coach as well. We know Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot. We know Chauncey's had aspirations of trying to get in um, in the executive office of being a GM as well. So maybe this experience on the sideline will get him, just give him more experience, more things he can add on to his his already exemplary resume to get him where he would like to go. We're going to touch on baseball real quick, folks, because the baseball playoffs has been been great. I told you about those Atlanta Braves and my man, Mr. Kune, and Atlanta has been balling. They were up two games, zero on top of the Dodgers. The Dodgers, one of the perennial favorites to win it all this year. Didn't start off that way, folks, but they got a big win last night as they finally unleashed the beast at the plate and they scored 11 runs in the first inning. Folks, it was ridiculous. It was like when it rains, it pours and it was pouring home runs. The Dodgers, 11 home runs in the first inning. That is a Major League Baseball record for the number of runs by one team in an inning. Baseball record set by the Dodgers last night. My only concern is, are they going to have enough firepower going into tonight's game against Atlanta? They're going to have their number one pitcher on the mound tonight, but I don't know if they're going to have those bats. They're going to need to be able to get hits. Atlanta has been notorious in these playoffs for not giving up hits so Clayton Kershaw is going to have to bring his a game to the mound because they're going to need him to be that number one pitcher remember he had a scratch in game number three because of the issues with his back so now he comes I'm sorry yeah so now he comes into into tonight's game um, hoping that, and the Dodgers organization hoping that he is going to be able to lift them up from the mound and they get those bats swinging so that they can tie this series up. Then on the other side, we had the Tampa Bay Rays who were leading their series three games to zero with a chance to close out the Houston Astros, but Houston got a big must win last night. So now they are down three games to one going into game number five this evening. So we'll see what happens with that series as well. I know a lot of people are pulling for Tampa to eliminate Houston because of all the cheating scandals that went on with the Astros Folks, baseball has been one of those sports that cheating has been going on forever. So, you know, um, we just need to understand that this has been a part of their culture. And I'm not saying that it's right, but as they always say, baseball polices itself. So whatever is going to happen in this series, if Tampa wins, then Tampa's going to win because they're the better team. It's not going to necessarily be because of the fact that Houston cheated is why they win. But that's what everybody's going to look at 
and say that justice was served if the Rays win this series. But like I said, we got a game five tonight. We'll see what happens with the Astros and we'll see if Mr. Atuve can redeem himself after that poor performance in game number three. Speaking of baseball, on a sadder note, legendary baseball player and baseball announcer Joe Morgan of the fame Red Red Machine back in 1976 and 77 passed away a few days ago. Um, It seems like 2020, folks, has been nothing but deaths with our sports heroes. Um, And so here we have another Great sports hero, Joe Morgan, um, two-time National League MVP, along with World Series champion, passes away. I think he was 77 years old. Before we step away, speaking of baseball heroes and deaths I would be remiss if I did not move forward and talking about Whitey Ford of the New York Yankees who also passed away last week if I'm not mistaken Whitey Ford was 91 years old so I forgot to mention that on a previous podcast so I apologize for that but it just seems like these deaths have just been coming coming so rapidly that we can't keep up with all of them speaking of deaths we're going to move over to football and talk about Fred Dean, Fred Dean, great pass rusher for the San Francisco 49ers. He passed away this week. So, folks, you know, they always say it happens in threes. We just can't keep up with all of it, folks. It's just, you know, this this year with the pandemic, with everything else that's been going on, it's just been been one of those seasons where we just scratch our heads and we count our blessings every single day um, that we wake up. And acknowledge the the gifts that the Lord has given to all of us. Um, and so, you know, just want to say uh, rest in peace to all three of those uh, great athletes. And then I want to say rest in peace to um, if any of you watch or who used to watch Two and a Half Men. Remember the housekeeper Berta on Two and a Half Men, one of my all time great, one of my all time favorite sitcoms I mean one of the greatest sitcoms I think that was ever on TV Berta who was on the show as the housekeeper she passed away Um, she had health complications I think she had a heart attack she was 77 years old so I know that's not sports related but we're sitting here talking about talking about deaths and talking about the impact that these people had in their professions and Berta was great on um, two and a half men. The chemistry she had with Charlie Sheen and that whole that 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 whole um, sitcom and that that whole group that was on this show was just one made it one of the best shows on TV. They just had so much chemistry amongst them all. And Berta was hilarious. If you've ever watched Two and a Half Men, you know that she her character was hilarious. Um, she always had. Snippet. She was always two steps ahead of Alan and Charlie on the show, and she just kept everything flowing. So just want to rest in peace to her. 
And um, we just want to say thank you again, folks, for tuning in to Uptempo Sports 24-7. You know, we're going to return to you to give you our picks for the week for week number six in the NFL and whatever else is going on that we hear about, we're going to give it to you here at Uptempo Sports. And all, and that's what we always do when we leave you. It's always what? Same bad time, same bad channel. We appreciate you tuning in. Take care. Until the next. Peace.